This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Mm. Tonight, I want to talk about what I've titled Replaceable. Replaceable. And that was why I wanted us to start with that confession. The Holy Spirit take over this place. Because when we are in charge of this place, in other words, our bodies, our lives, at times, things never change. They're always the same. But when we replace the lordship of our lives we start to see a whole different, a whole difference in the in the way things starts to um, evolve in our lives, so to speak. You know, at times we just need to allow the administration of our lives to change. We need to allow the manager of our lives to change, because he he's got his own plan. And his plans are always the best. His plans are the best. The Bible tells us how he's created or carved out a path ahead of, of us. A path that we should take. Tonight my scripture is going to be taken from the book of Daniel chapter 6. And in this scripture we're going to be looking at the values and the characters and decrees. And at times, values, are they replaceable? Characters, are they, you know, are they replaceable? Attitude, are they replaceable? Um, the decrees that are made, are they replaceable? It could be values that we've put on things, the way we see things from our own worldview. Can we change them? You know, at times, our values might be what directs our lives, but at times you start to see that your life is leading in a particular direction that is not exactly how you want it to lead. But at times, it's, it's based on your value, what you hold most dear to your heart. But can you replace them? Are they replaceable? Or you stick, stick with them? And at times, the values are great, but people who come around you, you know, because they're doing a whole lot, you know, they, they seem to be the in thing, so to speak, the ones in, um, in vogue. Does that cost you to replace your values? Does the way we perceive our social stance, you know, affect the way we hold on to our values? Or do we let them slip off our fingers because everyone else is doing it? Same with our character. What kind of character do we hold on to? What kind of character stand the test of time? Do we let go because not so many people are acting that way anymore? You know, at times, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful values and character or way of life, you know, but it's almost become old and then they call it old school. Um, it's old school, yes, but it's still valuable. You know, it's still, it's led you up to now, and at times it could even lead you farther. At times, the whole world, you know, um, goes in a full cycle and come back to this old school. 
For example, prayers is old school. True? It's true. It's been there for a very long time. It's been there. Worshipping God is old school. It's old school. Why am I saying it's old school? It's a new thing, but it's old school because people do not think there's a need to worship God. Who is God? Have you seen him? And at times they expect us to grow up and grow out of it. When will you wake up and see the light? No, we are in the light. We've been in the light. It's just that you, you've not opened your eyes anytime. So when you open your eyes, you realize that we've always been in the light. It's old school at times. And then think about the new school. The new school is a social ideology. It's a perception that we've put on it, cultural changes and inclinations about our way of, you know, the way we see things these days and we think, well, that's how it should go. No, because it emanated, it's, it's coming from somewhere. And that somewhere is, a, is the old school with great values. And you possibly might call it morals. But at times it's still good morals. It's good morals not to steal. You can call it whatever name you like, but it's still stealing. You understand? It's stealing. Whether it's white collar stealing, whatever you call it, it's stealing. Fraud. Stealing. But it's old school. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit, thou shalt not do that. They're all old school. But, but you see, our lives mostly is based on those values. Would you let them sleep? Now let's read from verse 1. <clears throat> it pleased Darius. Now Darius was the king of Babylon at this time. So he said, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the, ki the king might not suffer loss. So basically, the king is meant to remain, or rather, you know, the economy is supposed to work well based on these administrators. So now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators. Distinguished himself. Quite interesting. And what, what does it mean to distinguish? He set himself apart. Not like every other person. Not because he wanted to be different but because he was different. See, there's a difference between wanting to be different and being different. There are three administrators, over 120 satraps, facilitators or governors, whatever you call them. But these three administrators were the ones to control the economy of the, of the nation. But Daniel, even with this select three, distinguished himself. In other words, he was in the select 120 or 123. And out of that 123, three were selected. And out of these three, he's still distinguishing himself. He could have said, well, it's enough. I've done enough. I've done good for myself. And don't forget, Daniel was a Hebrew. And Daniel was not originally from Babylon. 
And Daniel somehow found himself serving the king, not as a born free citizen. He started off as a slave. He worked his way up. But yet he continued to distinguish himself. Verse 4. Oh, still in verse 3. So he distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps, the governors, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. How nice is that kind of a promotion? Promoted from being a slave to the king's palace, and then you've been chosen as a governor, and then you've been chosen even more than a governor. And now the king is thinking about setting you, who's been nowhere before, over the whole kingdom. Quite a person. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find ground for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. So they possibly have been watching him, thinking, he's never been in government before. He doesn't know how the government runs. We were born into this thing. We are nobles. But him, who knows where he comes from? But the Bible tells us they were unable to do so they wanted to find ground for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him. Say that with me. They could find no corruption with him. Not at all. Not in him. Because he was trustworthy. And neither corrupt nor negligent. Interesting. But you see, those three Characters, anti-corrupt, uh, non-negligent, and trustworthy. They are old school characters. They are old school values. They are old school. It's true. That today we look at that and we want to replace them with, is, with what is more appealing, socially appealing, Trustworthy, every other person is doing it. Why are you the only one different? You know, it kind of make you look as though there's something wrong with you. You know, in the in the in this eighties, nineties, there's what are you, they used to call them. They call those kind of people Jews. I'm not sure if you remember that phrase. So don't, don't mind him; he's a Jew. Remember it. You know, and these days there's a new slang for it. What's a new slang for someone who, who doesn't get it? Who's always acting all distinguished, all separate. Has no idea. It's not socially connected. More or less. Lame. The two of them got it at the same time. Because it's in their world. Say, man, that guy is lame. Who's still trustworthy? Would trustworthiness put food on your table? Would honesty, how much can honesty do, you know, how much can it change your life? At times, people play down on those values. But to you, are they replaceable values? Are they replaceable? 
Because we need to see the way it is. Those values, they are still valuable in our days. They are still quality values, but are they replaceable? That every other person is doing something else does not mean that you leave your post or your position in terms of the values that you hold. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has to do with the law of his God. How many of us, or you, has been attacked based on your faith? That you are even attacked even within the house. And you say you're a Christian? How come you are the only one fasting when they ask everyone to fast? But no other person is fasting. How come you are the only one giving to the project? How come you, do you want to show to us that you're richer than every, everyone else? How come you are the only one always saying, I can? Whenever that person is thinking the job is too much. How come? How come you're always throwing people under the bus by not doing what other people are doing? You know, at times, we're required to trade our values for the values of other people. And don't let that ever become what leads your life because it may lead you on and leave you where they find you. And you'll be lost because that has never been your value. They said, they said we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, un unless it has, to do, it has something to do with the law of his God. So they'll find what you believe. They'll find your faith. What's wrong with him? You know, but what other people are not doing that he's doing, let's find something wrong about him. Go to church all the time, and yet your life is like this. You know, they say all of those things. You've always been a Christian. How about try not to be one and see if your life will change, you know, somewhat. You know, the first thing we had, the first conversation we had in the Bible, the first conversation was a conversation, or rather the first dialogue we had in the Bible. Should we say the first? No, the second. The first one was God saying, let us. All right? But we didn't hear another person speaking. So if it was actually a dialogue, I don't think so, because that was the one way. All right. So the first dialogue in the scripture was when the devils went to Eve and said, did God really say you should not? Did he really say? And that is an attack on your belief system. Did he really say? And it comes as a question. It's not telling you what they're feeling, but they are giving you a close question that is directly attacking your belief system. Did he really say? Did he really say? 
Verse 6. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, to who? The king, Darius, who was thinking about setting Daniel up as the ruler of the kingdom. So they went to the king and said to the king, making Darius live forever, the royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Oh. You see, they didn't say anyone who prays to anything else forever. They knew if he argues this, they would say, but it's just 30 days. It's just for a short time. Can you replace your values just for a short time? No, just test it out and see. This problem might work. Do we find reasons in it? Do we find an intellectual, a rational idea behind them? Usually, yes. They're rational ideas. Well, it's not going to take forever. It's just for a moment. You know, short time. And then at times we go ahead to do them. Like the king Darius, he went ahead because he thought there's nothing against him. It's not going to affect him directly. So anyone who prays to any god or any human, anything, in this kingdom for 30 days, what will happen to him? Throw into the lion's den. And then they fixed that by saying, now your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that you can argue it. Isn't what happens in our days that you are signing a contract, you're going into you know, a contract, you say, put it in writing. Even at work, you're talking to your manager, it's just a, a, a direct you know, conversation and he goes, uh, can you put that thing in writing? <laughs> because they want to be able to quote you later. Uh, they want you to put your name to it. You know, uh, you said, okay, can, can we trade this particular system for another one that is better? I said, oh, all right, put it in writing. Even when you get into a phone uh, contract, they say, can you take the terms and conditions? Now, these days, they don't care if you uh, actually physically sign, provided there's a, a digital sign, a signature of something, you know, your, your, um, your internet, ISP, or whatever they call, call it, Provided it's there, they can recognize that you are the one. It's always putting it in writing so that you cannot renege on it. And it says, can you put this in writing, O king? Issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Did they think it was going to affect him? Not at all. Put a decree in writing. How many times have we had interesting ideas that is void of God? Very interesting ideas. And we think this is great. This is okay. Will it hurt people? Oh, probably, but not people around me. Provided it doesn't hurt anyone that you know. You know, at times when they say, um, uh, terrible things are happening in Iran or Syria. What's the first thought that comes to your mind? Oh, really? Really bad. But behind, you know, on the back of your mind, you're going, but it's not in Australia, it's far away. 
It's not in Australia. It's not, it's not a close home. But whatever is happening anywhere can happen here. Anytime. So if you don't fight it now, you won't be able to fight it when it comes home. It's true. So if you stand against it, stand against it for real. Don't just stand against it because it benefits you right now. Stand against it anytime, any day. Protect your reins. Protect the gospel. But King Darius issued a decree. And interestingly, it was a decree according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. In other words, even the king himself cannot undo it. He can undo it. It's a law. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, how lovely. He learned. He heard about it. Of course, he would have known that this was against him directly. He learned that the decree had been published. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Irreplaceable character. This is my faith. This is my life. This is a relationship between me and God. I didn't start serving God because of you. Before you knew me, I was a Christian. And after you're gone, I will still be one. Regardless of where we are at right now, whether we are sweet or bitter, I will still be a Christian. You see, that was enough for him to replace that attitude of prayers. That was enough for him to, if not replace it completely, but to change it a little bit. Possibly some of us would have changed it. Possibly this time we will shut the windows so that people don't see you. Possibly this time, instead of praying during the day, you only pray at night in the closet. But what did he do? He said, well, I've always done it this way. Why should I change it because of you? You know, at times we get too socially... Uh, Forgotten word, but we, we get too involved in the social implication or the way it's perceived by people because we do not want to be politically incorrect. So we kind of tend towards politics in the way we establish or defend our faith. At times, is your faith replaceable? Is the way you perceive God replaceable? Have you all of a sudden thought, well, yeah, even if God is not there, but it's just good to just be a Christian for the sake of it. Have you made that journey that far where you feel like, well, it's okay. Yeah, I'm just a Christian just to belong. No, you can't just be a Christian to belong. You can't, you can't come so far and then replace it with social correctness or political correctness of some sort. You know, end of last year, no one thought about Christianity in Australia as a big deal anymore. You know, they felt, well, you can't even say you're a Christian at work because people start to look at you and go, oh, those kind of people, perverts. Almost, it was almost synonymous with perverts, being a Christian, especially with the idea of the uh, Royal Commission. That it was, it was standing, almost perceived as standing, almost perceived, and I'm not saying it was standing, but almost perceived, the media made it look as though it was standing against the understanding of being of who a Christian would be or should be. 
We've gone through different seasons in our country where it was never, ever something that you could be proud of to call yourself a Christian anymore. But some of you, most of you, have not replaced your faith for the glittery idea of socialism. We've not replaced it. We've not replaced it. And I believe that's why you're still sitting here tonight. So he went ahead and prayed some more. Just as he has done before. So in other words, he was not looking for trouble. This is what he has always done. So he's not started just doing it better this time. No, he's always done this. Then these men went as a group. Again, as a group. Don't forget the word, as a group. As a group. And that's the thing, because more people are doing it. Should that change the way we then do our lives? Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Instead of leading the city, instead of administering or doing the government work they do, now Daniel had become their new job. So they went to look for Daniel and found him praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? Didn't you say that? We heard you say that yesterday. Didn't you say that? Who made the king make the decree? Them. Who is enforcing the decree on behalf of the king? Them. So, I believe the king will start to realize that he's just replaced his power for the multitude. Probably because he wanted to be liked. How many of us? Just because we want to be liked by others cannot take a stand for what we believe. You know, at times we just want the approval of others, other people. That people approve of you does not mean that you're distinguishable or rather you've distinguished yourself. They may approve what they feel, think, but you really know yourself. Mm. The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. How interesting. They turn Daniel and the king against each other. And that still happens in our days. He pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. And there's a difference between distressed and angry. He wasn't angry. He was distressed. And what that sort of means to me is that he was thinking, what have I done? What have I done? They trapped me. But now he's the king. But even his authority can't come into play this time because it's the law of medicine, patience, which says not even the king can undo this. 
When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. He made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group. This is the third time they went as a group. As a group. You know how people say, don't worry, let's team together. The more we push the agenda, the more the government will listen to us, the more the people will listen to us, the more. And regardless whether it's a right agenda or a negative agenda, when people band together to push that agenda, what happens? At times it moves things. Genesis, the Tower of Babel. God had to come down to look at what they've done. And I think the question he would have asked himself was exactly the question that the King Darius asked himself, what have I done? Look at these guys. There's nothing that we ever planned together that wouldn't work for them because they're in unity. You see, unity is a positive thing. Being together is a positive thing, but it can be used for negative outcomes. It can be used. So that's more of the reason the only thing that stands and can continue to stand for you is to ensure that, number one, your values are irreplaceable. Your character, irreplaceable. Then the men went as a group to the king, Darius, and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the medicine patients, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God. Because he knew Daniel had decided not to replace, regardless of friendship. You know, he was a good friend with the king, right? He was a good friend with the king. Uh, the king had promised promotion. That's enough for us to change our mind. To kind of replace the things that we hold dear in our lives. But he decided, you know what, I'm not changing this. And now the king is looking at Daniel. May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. May he rescue you. Oh, there's some faith in Daniel. Possibly not in his God, but in Daniel. That you've been, you've been amazing. You've been marvelous. I wouldn't like to lose your personality. So I believe that something that you stand for, will always come true for you. So may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. So a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Why was that? Two reasons. So, but if the king was really distressed, why would he... Seal it with a signet ring. In other words, a symbol of authority to say no one can move the stone away. Same idea behind the burial of Jesus. That they had to put the stone on the mouth of the tomb. And put soldiers there as figures of authority to say no one can move it. And the reason why they put it over there was so that the disciples would not come later at night and steal his body. And say He's resurrected. So in other words, they were thinking Daniel could escape. So the nobles also sealed it, saying, yeah, no one should be able to move the stone away. But the king sealed it with a different perception, so that later tonight they don't come to kill him. Because he was distressed. Because think about it, it doesn't make sense. If the king who was distressed about Daniel's condition is the one still putting the stone so that he cannot escape. 
No, it was not about the escape. It was about the other idea these people might have. So what's the idea? Probably if, if his God is actually saving him, these guys could come later at night and kill him in the den. So no one should be able to open the tomb. Amen. All right. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. And what has he replaced this time? He's replaced his peace. You see, we, we could go on and on and on. The first dawn of light, the king got out and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, in a troubled voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, how did he know? How did he know he was still there? You know, he, he had faith. But he was made to do what he couldn't stand for. He changed his decree, but he still had faith, but he changed his decree. He, he, or rather, made a decree without really thinking. But now he quickly rushed in. Daniel, did your God, who you continually serve, has he been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and, the, and shot the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. And, and that's the only thing that can keep you. I'm not asking for your perfection. I'm asking for how much can you do to hold your ground. You see, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us, it says, stand therefore. So in other words, no matter how much the wind of life moves you, it says, stand. All you need to do is continue to stand. You know, do you believe in God? Stand. Do you believe that prayer answer, uh, you know, it's, it's, it works? Stand on it. Do you believe? Stand. Because just with a little grain of mustard seed faith, you can move the mountain. You can move the mountain if only all you need to do and learn to do is stand your ground. Don't move it because of people. Don't move it because of friends. Don't move it because of your boss. Don't move anything. Stand. Why? Because every other thing is temporal. They're on their way. It's temporal. Even your condition, even your, your health condition is temporal. And all you need to do is stand. 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 All right, let, let's jump from there. The, 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 the whole, script, the, the whole ver chapter is beautiful. But let's jump from there to verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and the peoples of every language in all the earth. May you prosper greatly, he said. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Interesting. Now... Before then, probably in verse 24, the king commanded that all the men who accused Daniel be brought together and put in, in the lion's den. All right? You know, we like movies like that that really ends well with the, the bad guys being made to pay, right? Oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, still, yeah, but, but we kind of feel good. You know? You see, at times it feels great. It just feels good. It's just human nature. But nevertheless, at this time, the king was able to make his own mind and came up with a decree. Anyone, anywhere, within this vicinity, within this country, must only serve the God of Daniel. And hear what he said. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. 
His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And what happens afterward? So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and reign of, uh, of Cyrus the Persian. What does that tell us when we stand our ground? That it all works out at the end. It all works out. Regardless of where you are. Don't let anything move you. Don't let circumstances make you change your mind. Remain distinguished. Remain trustworthy. Remain. You know, don't be enticed by the idea of how your new idea of authority or power control you know, can be well seen by others. Don't be enticed by that. Don't be like King Darius who was made to do what he didn't want to do. And he went away being distressed. Couldn't eat through the night. Couldn't sleep. And I'm pretty sure Daniel slept. But he was the one in trouble. But he got sleep. Because the Bible tells us that God gives his beloved sleep. Gives them sleep. Gives them sleep. What in your life is replaceable? Because other people think you should change it. What beautiful values and characters in your life need strengthening? How about your prayer life? Does it need strengthening? How about your honesty? How about your trustworthiness? Does it need strengthening? And at times, you probably don't even need to do anything further. Just continue to do what you do. The Holy Spirit always comes to you. Wakes you up at night at times. Even during your work day. He goes, pray. Worship. And at times, you're in your car. You just feel like worshiping. Just go ahead and do it. Do you feel like, you know, in God's house or somewhere else, lifting up your hand and just saying, God, thank you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Let your life, or rather, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good work and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand on our feet? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you because there are these seeds that you've planted inside of our hearts that cannot be replaced by our circumstances. No, it cannot be replaced by the people around us. No, it cannot be replaced because of the way we feel. No, God, it cannot be replaced. They are irreplaceable. But I thank you because we'll continue to grow in your word. We'll continue to grow in grace. Our faith will continue to remain firm and strong. That regardless of what we face, God, because we always know you will come true, we'll continue to wait. Because the, the scripture says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
we know our later, latter, will be better and greater than our past. We thank you, God. And I pray, Father, that those who are going through any situation, any negative situation right now, I thank you because their faith is strong. I thank you because they are strong and the word of God abides in them and they have overcome the wicked one. Because the greater one resides on the inside of them in the name of Jesus. And that's more of the reason, God, that, you know, in the morning, when situation and circumstance, like King Darius, is coming back to check if Daniel is still there, let the voice of your children be heard, God. That you whom they've been serving was able to save them. I praise you, Father, because sickness disappears. Fear is gone in the name of Jesus. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02. 4731-2419. The Trans Edge. A change is inevitable.